Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Hall, psychology student, wife, and mama four. On this podcast, I share helpful life tips and stories from inspirational women. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today. Enjoy the episode. I apologize if the sound quality is not the best. I recorded this on my new computer and didn't realize that my microphone wasn't set up. And I cannot, I don't have the energy to re-record a 45, 40-minute episode, whatever it is. So please, please be patient with the sound quality. Uh, And I hope that it's all fixed from here on out. Thank you. Bye. Happy Friday, everybody. It has been a while since I have done a Friday episode, but here we are. This is part two to the other podcast episode I did, which if you did not see, it used to have a different title. It was called Attention White People. Um, So I woke up Monday morning and was like, why is my podcast episode not aired? Let me go check, make sure everything's like where it should be. Everything's doing the things it should be doing. And it wasn't (laughs) like everything was fine. But then I saw this thing that said image, um, image was invalid. And so I had a theory that it was because I had Black Lives Matter on it. So I removed the wording and ta-da, I no longer got that error, error, but the episode still wouldn't air. So I was like, what the fuck? And then I had another theory that it was the title, Attention White People. So I changed the title and I changed a few like titles of links I had linked just in case there was also were an issue and being flagged. Like one link was for defunding the police and (laughs) ta-da, it aired. So somebody somewhere was trying to stop this, that episode from airing. And I really hope that you'll share it out with people and help spread the message, not for kudos for me, but for the message that is behind it. And I've had a few people, I did ask people to like reach out if they thought that I'd made a mistake or if something wasn't clear or whatever. And I had a few people reach out. So I wanted to clarify a few things because um, you're right. Like I did not look up the statistics about um, deaths uh, before before I I started the podcast, I really should have, because it was a mess. And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna look up the statistics. Uh, So first, let's start. The population of the United States is over 328 billion people. That's a lot. Wait, no, it's million. Yeah, million, not billion. Sorry. (laughs) I was looking at the, I'm like, no, that's not billion. That's million, 328 million. It would be crazy if it was billion, but still, that's a lot of people. And so this is from the census, census census.gov, which of course we know this, we just had a a census. So these numbers may not be 100% accurate, but uh, these look like they're numbers that were provided in, um, 2019, around that, like some of them are. So race in Hispanic origin. 
The percentage of people in the United States that are white alone is 76.5%. The percentage of people that are black or African American alone are 13.4%. So let's remember how I said disproportionately black people are um, killed by police officers. They are part of of police violence, police brutality. By the way, police brutality is going on right now at peaceful protests. If you don't see that because you're not following certain media, and I don't think enough media are highlighting this, uh, educate yourself by checking posts out on Facebook. Uh, peaceful protesters are being met with violence from police. Now, I will, I will say, I am not anti-police. I'm anti-bad police. I am anti-police brutality. I do think that our police force as a whole needs to be revamped and reformed because it is not working. And a lot of, of our systems aren't working. A lot of our systems in this country, in the United States, and around the world are flawed. I was actually just listening to a podcast uh, uh, that was talking about Indigenous people in Australia having similar issues to Black people in America. Like, this racism is an issue all over the world. However, it is a very, very prevalent issue in the United States. So, this these statistics are from mappingpoliceviolence.org. Mind you, there is no one comprehensive... This is the closest thing to a comprehensive um, place to find statistics on police brutality. Some places, it's not transparent at all, and it's hard to get the statistics. So, police killed 1,098 people in 2019. Black people were 24% of those being killed. So, despite being, where were we? Despite being 13% of the population, they were, what did I say, 25%? Gosh, this, I hate it when I get on websites and they're all like, not doing the thing, not mobile friendly. Uh, Yeah, they were 24% of those killed. So there were only 27 days in 2019 where police did not kill somebody. 27 days. That's a lot of days. Black people are three times more likely than white people to be killed uh, and 1.3 times more likely to, to be unarmed compared to white people. So where you live matters and there's different, this is the mappingpoliceviolence.org and I'm going to link that up in the show notes. So it goes, and it says, 99% of killings by police from 2013 to 2019 have not resulted in officers being charged with a crime. That's a problem. You can also filter this by the state you live in. But what we are, what they are saying, and this is where we get to the disproportionate. Black people only make up 13% of the population, but they are 24% of those killed. See how disproportionate that is. So if it was proportionate to the percentage of the population, then it would say 13%, not 24%. Now I hear a lot of people talking about 
black on black crime. Let's talk about that. One, that is just a way to completely negate uh, the police brutality that is going on and the racism in, in the United States. That's completely to negate it. That is for white people to say, see, we're not that bad. You guys do it to your own people too. No, 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 no. So this is from the FBI and it has race of those killed and race of the offender. So well, you want to talk about black on black crime, let's talk about white on white crime. So 3,499, uh, this is from um, 2016. So it is a little dated, but I can't imagine in four years that this has changed a whole lot. So in 2016, 3,499 white people were killed. Of the 3,499, 2,854 were killed by other white people. Only 533 were killed by black people. And then there was others. So of black and African Americans, 2,870. So that's a lower, that's a lower number that were killed. Um, 243 were killed by white people. And 2,570 were killed by Black and African-American people. What does this mean? When you say Black-on-Black black crime, you should say White-on-White white crime. White people kill just as many other white people as Black people kill other Black people. Now, don't take these statistics to mean, oh, racism's not alive and well in America. You don't have to kill somebody to be racist. There are many ways, many ways to hurt, to hurt other people, to hurt black people and people of color. There are plenty of ways. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about in the last podcast episode were microaggressions. And um, microaggressions are really important. Think about it as in like, so blatant racism is like like you like physical harm so like maybe you're stabbed or maybe you're cut or whatever microaggressions are like paper cuts so like one little paper cut it hurts but it doesn't hurt as if you have a million paper cuts so this is from npr npr is a more middle ground uh, um the reason i like to cite them is they're more middle ground they're slightly left leaning but they're more moderate where there are lots of, like, CNN is very left-leading. Uh, so we got to talk about microaggressions and what microaggressions are, what they are, and what is going on. So in this NPR article, which is called Microaggressions Are a Big Deal, How to Talk Them Out and When to Walk Away. So microaggressions are defined as everyday, subtle, intentional, and often uh, oftentimes unintentional interactions or behaviors that communicate some sort of bias towards historically marginalized groups. The difference between microaggressions and over discrimination or macroaggressions is that people who commit microaggressions might not even be aware of them. This is the people who say, I'm not racist. Because in their heads, they really believe they're not racist, but they do 
do do racist things and have racial biases and discriminate, but just not blatantly. This is what I call covert race racism. It's not as obvious. And I understand. I understand it's difficult to it's difficult to understand what is going on or even think it's an issue because you may have never been impacted by it. You may not know anybody who's been impacted by it. If you are a white person and you are surrounded predominantly by white people, you may not even have seen this as an issue. You may have thought racism was dead. Racism is alive and well in the United States. You may even have been so, been somebody or still are somebody who believes in reverse racism, which we talked about in the last podcast episode and about how reverse racism is not a thing. How it's not even possible because it depends on superiority. It depends on power in the United States. Generally, weight or weight, yeah, white, straight, I mix those, you know, I combine those words, weight. <laughs> uh, white, straight, heterosexual, cisgendered males tend to be in power. The rules were created by white, heterosexual, cisgendered males, which means these systems help white, heterosexual, cisgendered males and discriminate against other communities that are not white, cisgendered, heterosexual, and male. That is why we have sexism. That is why we has, have homophobia. That's why we have transphobia. That, if you don't know, cisgendered means that you identify as the gender that you were born as. Um, that is why we have all these. It's just why we have racism in America. The laws were not created equal. The systems were not created equal. These things are not helping people. And because we are in a society that was built by racism, that was built by racism and sexism and all the isms, the, the systems are fundamentally broken. And this is where we come to defunding the police. And people are in an uproar. How dare you take the money from police? Let me tell you, when I was visiting my sister, she told me about how a little podunk town near where I live, I mean, the population is not very big, has a tank. Has a tank. What does a little podunk town in upstate New York need a tank for? And their police, their, their police... Freaking budget is over a million dollars. What does a little podunk town in upstate New York need a million plus dollar police budget? So when it comes to defunding the police, defunding the police does not, it sh really should be like retitled, but you know, it's not as catchy to say uh, other things like reduce, refocus, reallocate police. <laughs> So defunding the police does not mean eliminate all police funding. It means police fund police will be funded. Police will not be overfunded. Did you know like the LAPD has a budget of over a billion dollars? That's with a capital B billion billion dollars. Uh, that they're going to redistribute that money. That that money and I and I linked this. I linked the Rolling Stones article up in the show notes last time, and I will again this time. It's going to redistribute that money. The money that is taken from the police, <clears throat> it's going to be redistributed. 
to community services that we need that are severely overfunded or underfunded, like our mental health care, uh, education, addiction services. So it means everyone gets a fair share because police departments don't need a tank. Okay, so defunding the police because police should focus on crimes and criminals. Police are not mental health counselors. Police are not social workers. Police are not medical professionals. Police are not education specialists. And police should not be responsible for everything. Get that. So many people who are arrested have a mental illness. Instead of throwing these people in jail and not getting them the help they need, what if we had medical professionals who were called to the scenes of these issues and we're able to de-escalate because they're trained to work with people with mental illness and de-escalate the situation and be able to get those people the help they need. What if we had that capability? Wouldn't that be amazing? Or homeless people ending up in jail because they're loitering or, you know, all the different things they get. What if there were actually social services that could help these people get back on their feet and be able to get a job and be able to help them? Wouldn't that be amazing instead of throwing homeless people in jail because they're homeless? I think so. I think, to me, it seems kind of a no-brainer to take some of the funds from the over-bloated, overfunded budgets of police and distri- distribute them to community services that are really something we need. Why don't we have affordable health care in the United States, but the LAPD can have a freaking budget of over a billion dollars? That makes no sense whatsoever. In my head, maybe not in yours. I mean, I'm not in a lot of people's because I tried to have a conversation with a Facebook friend of mine and was shut down. And I was like, did you even read the article I shared? Like, did you? Are you just so hell-bent on you're not taking money away from the police? Really? The police need to have one job, not 10,000 jobs, because they are not qualified to work with addicts, people with mental illness, uh, homeless people. These are not, these are not their jobs. Like they should not be doing these things and they're not qualified to do those things. They don't even have enough training hours as it is for their job. Like I feel like there should be way more training and education that goes on. Uh, And there's a lot going around. Uh, There's a lot going around that can help and help reform um, or in some places dismantle. We might need to dismantle. I know that's scary. That's even scarier than defunding. Dismantle the police departments and build up a new one, a different one that has different agendas. Because again, our systems are fundamentally flawed and are not working the way they are. So defund the police emphasizes reassessing our values, investing in our communities, investing in our police, funding our schools, funding our hospitals, funding our services, funding our infrastructure. If this pandemic and these protests have not highlighted for you how fundamentally flawed our systems are, you gotta, you gotta wake up, man. Start doing some research. Start looking around. The fact that our medical personnel did not have the proper PPE, but our police departments have tear gas and rubber bullets and pepper spray 
And apparently this, some have this weird thing that can emit high-pitched sounds that'll hurt your ears and can cause, like, actual damage to your auditory system and be in your hearing. That's fuck. What do you need that for? What do you need that for? Why was our military and National Guard being, like, called into D.C. to tear gas and shoot rubber bullets at peaceful protests so our president could get a photo op in front of a church. This included people who worked in the church, people who were a part of the church that also got tear gas and rubber bulleted to get them the fuck out of the way. Don't even get me started on this president. Like, this is not about being a Democrat or a Republican. This is about human nature. This is about... Uh, people being taken care of and he is only dividing the United States, not bringing it together. He is divisive. He's, please just look at his fucking Twitter and tell me that tweeting about law and order and attacking everybody who disagrees with him, everybody, including Republicans, is okay. Who does that? How can he represent this country when all he does is tear people apart and divide people? No, we need to get him fuck out of office. And our other option isn't much better. Like, Jesus, can't we just, like, improve these options that we have going on? That'd be great. Anyways, understand that presenting defunding the police as the same as eliminating all funding for police is intentionally misleading and manipulative. It is not about that. It is not about completely taking away the police. Yeah, some, some, yeah, some activists are calling to dismantle it. I'm, you know, on, I, like I said, the, the whole thing is fucked. The whole system, not just the police system, all the systems, all of them, but this is a start. And please know that these protests are about racism and police brutality. We all need to be speaking out about that just as much, if not more, than support for police, good police officers. If you say, don't judge police officers by a few bad seeds, then you should not be judging protests by looting and vandalism. Now, I don't condone looting and vandalism. I don't at all. But can I wrap my head around why somebody be so freaking angry that that was, is what they turn to? Yes. And also, like I said before, I'll, in the other episode, a lot of times white people and white supremacists are showing up and stirring the pot and starting shit because they want to devalue the Black Lives Matter movement. They want to devalue these protests. And by only sharing support for the police and only sharing negativity about these protests, you are devaluing what the protests stand for. We need to speak up against racism and police brutality, even if you have never experienced or seen it in your entire life. It's not okay. And you're devaluing the protests when you say, well, George Floyd has a record and he had this drug and that drug in his system and he that he's not a good man. I don't give a shit about his past. It is not okay to murder a person in cold blood, not okay. Not okay. Ever. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Like, 
You're going to you're going to tell me it's okay just because he has a record for a police officer to kneel on his neck for nine minutes. Bitch, please. We I, I have a record. I have a record. I do. Hello, my name is Megan. I have a record. Uh, I have a misdemeanor for filing a false police statement. And I had a DWI, which got reduced to a DWAI. But I have those things. I've been arrested. Bet you didn't know that. I've been arrested. Is it okay for a police officer to kneel on my neck too and kill me? Does that make it okay? No? Okay. There we go. Like, I can't. I can't even right now. And I've been trying to remember... So I made a video, I mentioned it last time. Hi, my name is Megan, I used to be racist. And I'm trying to speak to that Megan when I make posts and when I make podcast episodes. Like, I understand when you have never experienced something personally that you may not understand what it's like and you may not think it's an issue, but it is, it's affecting other people and we need to stand up for other people. That's what we need to do. And white people, we need to use our white privilege because it is a thing. You can't change the color of your skin. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. It means you are white. And by being white, you have certain privileges. And you need to use those privileges to speak up and speak out against racism and police brutality. God, I was going down the interstate, like, uh, coming back from uh, upstate New York, where I'm from, going on the interstate, doing about seven miles over the speed, sometimes 10, if the, you know, traffic was going well enough, past police, and cars, like, near me would slow down. I'm like, why the fuck do I need to slow down? And then it hit me. I'm not scared for my life because I have certain privilege. Like, I was never had to, my parents never had to sit me down and have a conversation about what to do when you're pulled over by the police. Why? Because they never had to worry about what would happen to me if I was pulled over by the police. Do I think all police are bad? No, I do not. But the problem is, if a good police officer does not speak up about the and stand up against the actions of a bad police officer, they are no longer a good police officer. And let that sink in. Silence is compliance. Sitting by and watching somebody do or say or act in a certain way that is not good, that is compliance. That is compliance. You're just as guilty. You're just as guilty. And now... If I'm driving by and I see a police officer having somebody pulled over, I check I check to see what color that person is. Because do I need to stand across the street and watch to make sure that a black person isn't treated poorly, isn't hurt, isn't killed by police officers? That's pretty sad. That's the reality we live in. What would happen if there weren't cell phones? And by the way, I saw a friend of mine uh, share about all the people that have lost their jobs because of their racist bullshit. And I need to address this. I don't give a fuck if somebody loses their job because of their racist rhetoric. In the age of social media and the internet, blatant racism is not acceptable. Keep your racist ass in your racist closet. Don't bring it out because guess what? You are a representative of the place you work, of the school you attend, all of those things. 
And guess what? If that place and or the organization you volunteer for, or if that that place you work for, that company, that organization, that school does not stand for racist slurs, race, hate speech, any of that. Yeah, they have the right to terminate you. They have the right to take your scholarship away. Don't be racist. Like, that's it. Don't be racist. It's not that hard. Don't say racist shit. And then you don't have to worry about losing your job, losing your scholarship, losing, you know, your position in an organization or, you know, being able to attend a school. Just don't do it. Like, that is, yes, we, and people are like, oh, but freedom of speech. Freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. These are private companies. But even if they were, even if they were the government, you are a representative of your people. Your people can say, guess what? No, I don't fucking think so. So if you're a racist and you don't want to keep your racist bullshit to yourself, which I really hope by now, if you're listening to this, you're not racist, but whatever, then one, remove yourself off social media and the internet. Make sure nobody's recording you or doing your racist shit. Find a job with a racist company. They exist. People, there's still racists out there. The only place that it's going to be acceptable. That's about the only place. Because even those people who have race, racial biases and are covert racist and have racist trains of thought, there is a line. There is a line that you cannot cross. And if it is going to hurt their bottom line, because you are racist and you represent their company or their school or whatever, guess what? They're going to ax you and they're going to do it real quick. Especially if you, their customer base includes people of color. Like if their customer base includes people of color, why would they want you working with that? I saw a Marine who got, um, is being uh, discharged for the Marines. Guess what? In the Marines, in the military pe- period, there's diversity. And the person that you are working with, like the person that you are working with needs to be able to trust that you have their back, especially in a situation that puts them in harm's way. And if you are racist, people of color cannot trust that you have their back. Please know that despite all the flaws of the military, the military does not stand for hate speech does not stand for racism, does not stand for any of that. And I, I feel no, no remorse for saying that I don't feel sorry for people who decide to be blatantly racist and say and do racist shit and get fired, lose their position in organization, or lose their scholarship or lose their place in school. Racism, racism is never acceptable and if you want to be like that and you want to post shit like that, then be aware that you're going to have to deal with the consequences of your actions and your words. Not okay. Not okay. Not acceptable. Do I think everybody who has racist tendencies or racial biases are lost cause? No, I actually kept a lot of Facebook friends who are towing that line because I think that they can come around, that they can educate themselves and learn something new and get rid of or start dismantling those racist tendencies and those racial racial biases. But I have deleted a lot of people. Why? Because if they're 
overtly racist, if they're blatantly racist, and they want to argue with you about their racism and say things like, you are a snowflake, you are a libtard, you are a sheep, they want to argue with you, they want to attack you, then they're a lost cause in my book. Maybe someday they will come around. But if somebody can't stand being called out, or can't be, stand be, being shown a different light because I don't even like directly call people out. I'm not like, you're being racist. I usually try to share like a different aspect, a different side of everything and try to, you know, show like, hey, we need to be speaking up about these things too. But when somebody's response is attacking you and they get defensive, then... It's a lost cause. Like, to me, that's a lost cause. Like, I'm, I'm not wasting my energy trying to educate people who just want to be attack and be defensive. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm just not doing. I just really think that we need to educate ourselves. Hate is learned. Hate is learned. Racism is a learned thing. And for anybody who's a parent, it's important or even if you're not a parent, if you're around kids, period, it's important that you educate yourself on racism, on white privilege, white fragility, white supremacy, all of these things, and actively work on undoing your racist tendencies and racial biases. Actively work on it. This is not a passive thing, and it's going to be uncomfortable. Oh, it is going to be uncomfortable. But it's important to do because we and the community around us are teaching our children certain things. We, consciously or unconsciously, will teach our children racism if we don't do the work. We need to not only educate ourselves and work on undoing our racial biases and racist tendencies, we need to educate our children. We need to diversify their world. That means not just reading and watching white shit. That means actively speaking out against their whitewashed textbooks. I told my children, Columbus, a horrible human being. We should not have Columbus Day. He was a rapist. He was a slave trader. He purposely hurt and killed people of color, indigenous people. Not okay. Not okay. And I don't think that my children... But our textbooks are whitewashed and children are being taught that Columbus, oh, look, he discovered America. He's great. No, he's a piece of shit. Like, and stole land from Native Americans. Our country was built on stolen land. Built on stolen land. Not only stolen land, but it was built by slaves. That is our history. And people say, Oh, stop being anti-white. Stop being... Nobody's being anti-white. This is reality. Our systems were built on, the, on this foundation of racism. And we need to actively work on undoing that. If you are saying... If you have to say, I'm not racist, check yourself. Because something somewhere is giving you the signal that people might think you're racist... So you feel the need to post that and say that. Not being racist is not enough. Not saying I'm not racist is not enough. We need to actively work on being anti-racist. That includes educating ourselves. That includes doing the work. That means standing up and speaking out against racism. 
That's what that means. We have to work on being anti-racist, not just a non-racist. Because a non-racist can still give their child, not give their child, but still instill in their children racial biases and racist tendencies. We have to work on being actively anti-racist and it's going to be hard and it's going to be uncomfortable. And sometimes that might mean disagreeing with people that you respect and calling out their behaviors. I have made the decision. I am no longer sitting by. If I see a post that I think is misinformation, I think is offensive, I think I will share a different perspective. And people can either accept that and maybe move a little closer to the cause or they can just completely ignore it and stick their heads in the sand. But if you have to say I'm not racist, you need to check yourself. We have to do the work. We have to educate ourselves. And I'm making these episodes and saying we because I am aware that my audience is predominantly white. That does not mean I don't encourage having people of color on my podcast or having people of color in my audience. Right now, in these last two episodes, my message is to white people, white women listening. An inspired woman, an inspired woman does the work. An inspired woman, even though she may not understand the discrimination and the experiences of people of other communities, like uh, people of color, the LGBTQ plus community, refugees, immigrants, may not understand that, may not. They still do the work to understand and to be supportive of other communities because they know that they can use their voice to speak up. We have certain privileges. I have abled body privilege because I'm not, I'm not disabled. I have white privilege because I'm a white woman. I have privilege because I am college educated. I have privilege because I am middle class. I have privilege because I'm heterosexual, I think, maybe. I don't really know. Um, I have privilege because I'm cisgendered. Like, I have those privileges. It's not me going, oh, look at me. I'm amazing. It's me being realistic about the privileges I have so I can speak up and speak out about the things going on, about the discrimination, um, about prejudice, about biases, about all the things. And I continue to do the work. And again, I encourage you, if you have an issue with anything I've said, please reach out. I've had multiple people reach out about the last episode and say, hey, it was kind of confusing when you're, you're trying to talk about disproportionality and you weren't really sharing like statistics, blah, blah, blah. Here is the new, here's another episode where I clarify that. And I'll continue to do that because I, I don't ever want anybody to feel like, I'm not being really clear or that my message is being, you know, all kind of wonky, if that makes any sense. And for anybody who knows a woman of color or a woman in the LGBTQ plus community who would like to come on and share their story of discrimination and marginalization, I would love to have them. They do not have to apply. They just have to direct message me. That's it. We'll, we'll fit them in in the spots in the um, schedule that 
are not filled because I'm not recording podcast episodes every week, except apparently there's been some exceptions. Also, I would be very open to somebody who could clearly explain defunding the police and the things going on and police brutality, all of those things, like somebody who actually does the work on those things, I'd be more than happy to have them come on too, because I feel like it needs to be clarified. But I will link all the links up in the show notes. I will link to a Facebook post, a public Facebook post that lists all the books that uh, could help you in your work. Uh, Last episode which I will also link up in the show notes in case you missed it, uh, has a bunch of social activists and a bunch of podcasts you can listen to. Uh, It is time to educate ourselves. And and not just about uh, racism, also about the LGBTQ plus community. It's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Those are, we have communities that are experiencing discrimination and police brutality. Black trans women are more likely to be killed than anybody else in the LGBTQ community and anybody else in the black community. Black trans lives matter too. They do. So I hope you guys have an absolutely fabulous day. Please share this out. We need um, to get people understanding, get people behind this, get people behind this movement against police brutality and against racism. Neither one of those things are acceptable in today's day and age and they need to go. They need They need to go. (laughs) All right, guys. I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.